week four uh, of our series, Asking for a Friend. If you have not been here uh, for this series, um, this series has been about controversial topics or stuff that we don't usually talk about amongst ourselves um, very often about certain situations as a uh, high school student, but also even with junior high students, young adults, college students. Um, these are certain topics that um, you wouldn't ask, so I'm going to answer it for you. That's basically what the series is about, is to answer it in a way. I might not have an answer all the time, but I know there can be some clarity to what you are asking for. So for week one and week two, I talked about sexuality. I talked about um, I talked about homosexuality. I talked about uh, gender issues. I talked about how um, the way we respond should never change, even though the world gets worse and worse. Our response should always be the same, loving kindness. It should always stay the same. Uh, week two, I talked about sexual sin. I talked about... Um, I talked about lust. I talked about pornography. I talked about uh, sex out of marriage. I gave you my own testimony uh, through when I dealt with lust. And I mentioned even from last week and that week that I preached about lust is about escaping to the Lord and consulting him with your problems. Last week, I started the second segment, which is mental health, uh, the mental health segment. I mentioned part one about anxiety and depression. And I mentioned the same way of like, of like, Letting God be your escape. This week is the same thing, but it's a little bit of a heavier topic. Um, I'm not going to really give too much of an introduction because there's something I want to speak from the bottom of my heart. Because first things first, what I want to talk about tonight for mental health part two is uh, suicide and self-harm. That's going to be my next topic tonight. And for a disclaimer, I, being truthful, I have not personally dealt with that. And the reason why I say that is because I don't want to make it sound like like I have the answer to that. Um, I've had a thought, but I've never had it to the point where it was a struggle or an attempt. And I want to be honest with you because my heart breaks for those types of people. Because I will never be able to understand the pain that even you in here or even someone that you know might feel. But what I'm going to do with my best, with the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to preach what comes from his word to give you that answer. Because this is about John, in the book of John, the main focus of what John was talking about in the gospels is that he wrote all this so that you may believe. You wrote, he wrote this down so that you may believe. It's all about believing what you hear, and it's not just about believing what you see. The Bible talks about what? Um... We live by faith, by belief, by really believing without really seeing. And it's easier said than done, but I need you to understand this is that when you do, when you receive this by faith and not by how you feel, then you'll be able to really receive this word. But if you're only going by how you feel and going by the way of what's going on around you, you will never be able to receive it. So I pray that you would take this by faith and not by how you feel. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 Verse 15 through 18, this is, um, this is our man Solomon. And I'm going to give a little bit of context after I read this. Verse 15 through 18, I have seen everything in my days of vanity. There is a just man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. Do not be overly righteous nor overly wise. Why should you destroy your life. Excuse me. Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die 
before your time. It is good that you grasp this and also not removed your hand from the other. For he who fears God will escape them all. Will escape them all. The one thing, the context of who Solomon is, he was one of the wisest men in the Bible. He was, he was someone that got all of his wisdom downloaded from God. And he, at the same time, he had godly wisdom, but at the same time, he also had the world's wisdom. And he had to combat both of those types of wisdoms, which how many of us understand that God was, godly wisdom is greater than world's wisdom? Because if we always fault to world's wisdom, it will never sustain what's going on within you because world's wisdom is exterior, but godly wisdom comes from within. It works from within you. And so Solomon is really preaching from, not from a world's wisdom. This is not some type of thing that he just made up and just told people who were struggling with this type of stuff. He told this from a holy and anointed wisdom of the fact that even righteous and wickedness both struggle with this type of thought. And I love it how he says at the end in verse 18, it says, it's good that you grasp this and also not remove your hand from the other. Watch this. For he who fears God will escape them all. I want to focus on that where it says, why die before your time? Because Solomon really, really knows the extreme of what suicide is. I believe it wasn't recorded, but I believe Solomon dealt with those types of things in his own life. And he is showing, because Ecclesiastes is not just from the wisdom of just something that was just told to him. This was something that he went through. These are some things that he wrote that he understood. When he said life is meaningless, he meant it from his own experience. He didn't just say it from a random spot. Ecclesiastes, if you read it, really what it's all about is that anything without God is meaningless. Everything that you do in your life, from the phones that you have to the to whatever, whatever type of material stuff that you have or whatever type of relationship, it is worthless, hopeless, meaningless, and has no root without God involved in it. That's what Solomon had been talking about. And I love, there's an answer into this. And this is also a message, if you know someone who struggles with this, you can give this to them as well. And even if you have experienced it for yourself, you can have your own testimony for someone as well. But what he says in Ecclesiastes, he's recognizing the extreme of suicide, and he gives this answer because, because how, how, uh, how many, okay, let me say this right. How many of you have heard someone say suicide is the answer to something? Raise your hand. Okay, just one person, two people. That suicide is the answer. From what Ecclesiastes is talking about, suicide is not the answer. It's an escape. Suicide is not an answer to the end of something. It is the escape from something that can detrimental. Because, listen, also, just to disclaim you, this is not a message to tell you how dare you try to do this. Don't you care about anybody else in your life? Why would you do that? This is not a message to point the finger at you. This is not a message to make you feel less than you are. I want you to know this is a message of understanding. And this is a message from trying to pull you up with the truth. This is nothing because 
Because if we, even as Christians, every, every believer in this room who doesn't struggle with this, I need you to know something. That when someone's dealing with something like this, you don't tell them how selfish they are. You heard? Do not tell someone who struggles with this how selfish they can be because that's where it comes from. This is why people are afraid, not just about suicide and self-harm, but even about everything else that somebody's struggling with. They have a hard time bringing it to somebody because of how we downplay the problem. And when you do that, and when you stop doing that, when you stop downplaying somebody else's problem and pain, then you'll start to see someone really open up. And this is what Solomon declares that, It's not an answer, it's an escape to something. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. This is in the section of self-harm. Do you not know, I I labeled this last week, I, I did the scripture last week. Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your Bodies. Now, if you are saved, if you have accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've dedicated your life to him, repent for your sins and turn to him, if you have done that, your body is not your own anymore. Your body's not your own. Matter of fact, it is God's temple. And the question that I always think of when this happens is that are you taking care of his temple by taking care of your body. Harming ourselves is harming God's temple. And those are the two things, but I want to really dig deep into this part because this is, this is the segment where I want to really dive deep into why the way, not just the way that I see, but the way I think scripture is going to show you if you believe this. This is not something that you can just hear with, hear with your ears and then move on with your life. This is something that is a lot more deeper if you really pay attention to it. John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. My first point is Satan, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me tell you something about the devil. I mentioned this in my last series. I mentioned how the devil is the father of lies. That's what he is. That's his native language. He is a liar. He's natu- his natural voice, when you hear certain lies, that's him. There's nothing else that is other than the devil when you hear a lie, because it's him. It's always going to be him. Another thing that Jesus tells us about the personality of the devil is that he's also a thief. The thing about a thief is that, like, like he said, if you saw someone, like if you had a thief break into your house, if you had some type of burglar try to break into your home, some, they will want to not just steal anything. And I'm going to get to that at the end, but they won't just steal anything. There's something in the house that they want to steal. That's the ice cream truck. That just messed up, jacked up everything. But he doesn't just steal whatever in the house. There's something in the house that the thief steals that he knows about that we might not know about. I'm gonna get to that at the end, but I wanna, I wanna finish this. He wants to steal your joy and cause you to feel incredible pain in your heart and in your mind, which can lead to thoughts 
which can lead to thoughts of, of suicide and self-harm. And I've learned to be empathetic in this. Many of us or those who struggle with self-harm and suicide are coping with difficult situations that they do not see a way out of. And the reason why I understand this is because I've dealt with depression. I'm, I've never dealt with the suicidal part, but I've dealt with the depression part. And what I can tell you right now is that situations in your life can cause you to be low. Situations in your, in your life can cause it to be low and cause it to be melancholy and cause it to be downcasted. And the funny thing is, is that that's how the enemy gets us sometimes is that he'll use a situation in your life that damaged you and he will use it to let me say it like this, the temptation. The temptation to kill and destroy. Let me tell you all something. It doesn't just stop the pain. It stops everything. It doesn't just stop the pain that you fight and you deal with. It stops everything. There's a debate. There's always been a debate in the theological area of Scripture if if, if someone would commit suicide, would they go to heaven or hell? There's never been a real full answer. People, one part believes they do because they're saved. One believes because it's a sin, they think it's a sin. There is a lot of questions around that topic. But I'm not going to try and lecture you and try to make you think of one opinion to the other. I need you to understand that it might just end everything if you do not know. It doesn't just end the pain. You lose everything. You lose everything. God offers. Let me tell you something about what God offers. God offers a rich and satisfying life on the other side of suffering. I'm not talking about when you go to heaven. I'm talking about in the moment that you struggle, in the moment that you're experiencing pain, God is there to relieve, not just relieve the struggle, but there is a glory that God promises at the end of suffering. He talks about it all the time in his word. He talks about it all the time in certain trials and disappointments and problems. He says it all the time. And he mentions that there's a greater glory on the other side. One scripture says that yet I will be confident. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That I love how he says, yet I am confident because he has not seen the goodness of God yet. But yet he said, I will stay confident. He's not seeing the goodness of God when it happens. He's not seeing the goodness of God when, when everything is going great and dandy. He saw the goodness of God, even though it wasn't there yet. That's faith. That's believing. That's seeing that the suffering is not going to last that long. It might... The way you think it lasts as long might be the difference between what God thinks lasts long. This might take weeks, months, years, but there is a satisfying glory on the other side of suffering. I want you to know this tonight, and this is my second point. Satan wants to destroy and harm what is precious to God. You know what that means? You're precious. Oh, that sounds so girly, Jacob. That sounds so girly. You are precious to him. James 1 talks about, yet you are his prized possession. 
this means, this is why I wanted to go back to the thief in the house because the thief is not going to steal some Ritz crackers. He's not going to steal some type of, you know, I don't know, Apple earbuds. They ain't that expensive. He's not going to do that. He's going to steal the most valuable, high-quality item in that house. He will steal the most valuable, most expensive, most high-quality item in that house. And I want to tell you tonight, and this came from the Lord. He told me to tell you, okay? So he told me to tell you. You're expensive. You're expensive. Look to your neighbor and act like a material girl. You're expensive. Look to your other neighbor and say you're expensive. I'm expensive. I'm expensive. I was bought with a high price with his blood. I'm expensive. He knew you would go through something and he knew he would be with you. You're expensive to God. You are precious to him. You are a child of God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are expensive to him. You are so expensive that he sent his own son to die with his blood. That's a high price. That's higher than any other any type of money you can give into the world. If I can get someone to save me from damnation to hell, this means that that was a high price. That means you are expensive. You're priceless towards him. You're priceless. And the funny thing is, is that we don't believe it because we want it to make us feel a certain way. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem. We have relied on situations to make us happy. I'm not just talking about that cert- the certain topic we're talking about. I'm talking about everything. We allow people to make us happy. We allow everything except God, except God, to make us happy. And what happens? We rely on resources. We rely on resources. It's like, it's like drinking a cup of water when there's a hose right over there. There's a source over there, but we're drinking from a cup that's limited. And here's the question you ask yourself, Jacob. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about me. I'm worthless. Nobody understands how I feel. And what I say to that is that you're right because people are a little crazy. People are a little jacked up. Some people can't handle what you tell them, but God can. God can ultimately hear how you feel and you think it's too heavy. God can carry it. God can carry how you feel. And what you're dealing with. Now, it's also the people that you go to. If you're going to everybody and their mama, yeah, you're going to have a problem. But if you're going to people who genuinely care about you, that's what matters the most. I don't care if you're just going to one person or three people. The problem, here's what the enemy does. The enemy, here's how the thief does it with suicide and self-harm. 
He steals your joy. He kills your soul. And he destroys your life. That's the thief. The thief in the house is to steal your joy. Kill your spirit. And to destroy your life. That's, listen, the devil does not like you. Let me make it firm and clear. I feel bad for Satanists because they, they're like, oh, J- devil's a homeboy. No, he's not a homeboy. The dude wants nothing more than for you to suffer. And he will use a temptation to make you do something that you really genuinely don't want to do. But because he gives, look, the devil's like a salesman. He'll tell you the prices and all the good stuff in the moment of what you think it does. But he does not tell you everything else. All the fees, all of the deposits, all of the extra bills you're going to have to do. He doesn't tell you that. The devil does not tell you everything. He will give you a, oh, this is a way out. This, this will end your problems. This will make the pain go away. But he doesn't tell you what you lose. He does not tell you what you lose. He does not tell you what will make you miserable. He does not tell you. All he'll tell you is that this ends it. But God wants, you, God wants you to know tonight, you're too expensive to be treated like that. You're too precious and priceless in the kingdom of God to be treated and thrown around by the devil. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in because if you have the Holy Spirit, you'll start to understand this. And I don't know if this was you. Maybe this was a very ignorant thought. Or no, not ignorant, arrogant. Both, arrogant and ignorant. I always thought if people were dealing with depression, suicide, self-harm, I was like, maybe they're not Christian. Am I the only one that's thought that? Oh, wow. Okay. Y'all come pray for me on the stage. Someone come preach on the stage. But I've learned something. I've learned something. What answers it for me is Elijah the prophet. I talked about it last week. That should be able to debunk everything that you have thought about other people struggling with this stuff. Because you might not struggle as heavy as them, but you struggle with something. You struggle with something. You struggle with something not as bad, but it's something. It's something. And what we have to understand, like like I said, Elijah, the prophet, he was a great man of God. He called down fire from heaven. He did all this stuff. But here's what's funny, and Elijah was bold for this. He prayed for God to kill him. He prayed that God would do it. I'm not just saying he just said something. He prayed for that. I'm not a real Christian, bro. (laughs) Elijah's a real Christian because he was honest with how he felt about what he was going through with God. And my question to you is, is that are you really honest with your father? Because if you were really honest with your father, 
Just like I talked about last week with Elijah, he would give you enough food to eat and enough water to drink. He would give that to you. And I've learned something about the devil. Because he steals, kills, and destroys, it's going to be precious because you are expensive to him. I want to show you this because I, 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 I took two words, escape and house. I kept thinking about those two words as I was preparing the message. And one of the things that I've learned that, that a thief attacks a house, a home, a burglar tries to steal inside a house. I looked it up. I Googled. And back then, a temple, a temple was, was, was a holy place. It was like a church. That's what a temple usually was. And what do they call churches and temples? The house of God. A temple is considered a house. So what that tells me is that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy your temple and your home. He comes to kill your family. I'm not talking about external family. I'm talking about the inside, that family. He wants to, do, he wants to steal everything in your house and he wants to burn your house to the ground. That's what the thief does. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I love how, I love how Solomon said that. He said, the one who fears God escapes them all. And I thought of James 4, 6 through 7. But he gives us more grace. I love even just that first phrase. He gives you more grace. No matter what you are going through, no matter what the situation might be, he gives you more grace for whatever it is, whether it's the friendships that you keep keep getting in these toxic relationships, whether it's some type of thoughts that you've been having, some dark thoughts you don't even tell your Christian friends, anything that it is, God gives us more grace. More grace, more mercy, more joy. He gives you more. When Elijah was struggling, he said, I had enough food to eat and enough water to drink. It was enough for now. It was enough for now. He didn't, he never even asked. Did you realize that? Elijah never asked God for food and water. He just said he wanted to die, but look what he did. He gave him enough for now. Enough for that moment. Even when you don't ask God, he'll still provide anyways. Elijah was wanting to die. God gave him food to eat and water to drink. God will give you something that you haven't even asked for yet. I'm not just talking about Corvette. I'm not just talking about this nice stuff that you can have. I'm talking about on the inside, what he gives you on the inside, what he gives you within your soul is far greater, is far greater. But he gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen, y'all. God gives grace 
to those who are humble and those who are wanting help. God will give you grace when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will give you grace when you ask for help. The problem in this world is that we're so afraid to tell someone about what we're going through because we're afraid of what they'll say. And like I said from the beginning, you have to be careful who you tell. You have to be careful who you distribute your your places to because some places aren't safe. Some places are a little rocky and some places are loose, which means people will say stuff. You are expensive. Recognize that this is not just your coping mechanism for pain, but a legitimate temptation. This, I'm going to tell you all right now, and I'm saying this with all seriousness, suicide is not, suicide and self-harm is not just a coping mechanism. It is a temptation from the enemy to escape. It is a temptation for you to do what he says and to harm the, the, the value of who you are. That's what he does. The devil attacks, steals, is a thief to something that is precious, something that is valuable. And this is a perspective shift because you might be looking at it, oh, I'm just being, I'm just coping. No, 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 no. If you look at it at a different perspective, if you look at it as a temptation instead of a coping mechanism and humble yourself and submit to God, you will be able to resist the temptation. I want to say something to those who struggle with that. God, me, I'll just say it for me. I don't know if this means anything. I'm proud. I'm proud of you. That you didn't let that kill you that you might be fighting with it right now, but you have not let it take you out. You hear me? You have not let it take you out. You've tried, you thought, you tried, you thought, but you have not letting it take you out. Why? Because God's not done with your life. God has a purpose for your life. And what Solomon was saying is that why would you die before your time? The devil wants you to cut it short. The devil wants you to cut it real short to the point where you can't see the glory on the other side. That's what he doesn't want you to see. He doesn't want you to see the purpose, the glory, the majesty of what you can see, what you can have. I know it might have been years. I know it's probably been a long time. But if you would just wait a bit longer, fight a bit harder, seek God through all of this, you will see the glory of God in the land of the living. You will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. When you trust him, when you see him through, when you base it on how you feel, you will never make it. And let me tell you something right now. If you don't believe anything that I'm saying because you don't believe any of this stuff, you're hopeless without it. Solomon said, without God, life is meaningless. Life is a throwaway. Life is literally, if there's no purpose, take me now, Lord, there's no purpose. But when you have purpose, when you have a destiny, when you have a father who loves and cares for you and sees you and knows you from the bottom of your toes to the top of your forehead, your big old forehead, he sees you.
in everything that you are. He sees the good things about you. He sees the dark thoughts about you. He sees the things that you tell yourself. He sees the things that nobody else sees. He sees all of that. Yet he still is gracious. Yet he still is merciful. Yet he is. So if people tell you that you're crazy, if people tell you that that you're being selfish, if people tell you that when you're struggling with this stuff, don't listen to them. Don't listen to these people. Because they're crazy in their own way. They're crazy in their own preferences. But for you to understand that God gets you, God understands you. That is a great gift. I want to, it's like this. I don't need to feel like God is with me. Just the known fact that the, his word says that he's with me is enough for me. I don't know if that's for you. Maybe you have to feel the presence of God. But if I know that he said that he would never leave me for, nor forsake me, I'm going to sit on that until I feel it. I'm going to sit on that word. I'm going to sit on that truth that he's spoken over me and you. I would rather sit on that than sit in my feelings and let me drown in the sea. Let me drown in, in this water that the devil has tried to put you in. The goal is to not feel. The goal is to get it within your soul. That's the principle. That is the teaching, is that it is by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? That's not by vision, nor by feeling. It happens every once in a while, but if you rely on how you feel, you will be disappointed every time. Every time. Every time you rely to see, because look, when people, when you struggle with this, if you are waiting for people to change to get out of your pit, if you're waiting for your situation to change to get out of your pit, if you're waiting for other people and other things to get you before you get out of this pit, you do not know how God works. God doesn't take you out the valley. He walks with you in the valley. There is a walking because if, if, if God just always took you out of something, there's no relationship. There's, listen, would you rather have a friend that gives you 20 bucks or would you have a friend give you 20 bucks and y'all can go and eat together? I would rather that. I'd rather go sit with home dog, go eat some Taco Bell or something and he pays for my food. But if I'm only asking and not dwelling, that's not a relationship. That's just God being your genie. That's just God being, I'm going to rub the pot, and then he's going to come out, grant me three wishes, and then he's out of here. That's not how God works. God does not work like a genie. He wants to sit in that pain. He wants to sit in that dysfunction. He wants to sit in that place. He wants to sit in it. Because when he sits in it, it's not because it doesn't hurt as much. It's not because it's, it's less painful or whatever. It's the fact that he's there. It's the fact that his word says he would be there. So if you base everything off of a feeling, if you base everything off of what's going on around you, and you don't believe by faith that it will, you will, he said, yet I am confident I will see the goodness of God. Not that when it got there, but he was confident in his faith to know that God would do it. So uh, that means I have to believe God even though I don't see it. 
even if I haven't predicted it yet. I still need to trust the goodness of God because I will see it when it comes. It might not be today, but it's going to come eventually because if he promised it, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe this. When, we, when you see self-harm, when you see depression, when you see suicide, when you see these things as an attack from the devil, not just a coping mechanism, it helps you to resist. The devil wants you to think that you're not valuable. The devil's playground is your mind. The playground of where the devil runs is in your thoughts. And if he can take over your thoughts, you're done for. But when you let God in, when you allow God to control your thoughts, when you let God govern your thought process, then you can really see, because when you see it this way, when you see it as an attack, instead of a coping mechanism, then you can really resist, because it's not about escaping to that. When you escape to something that's not God, it's either unhealthy, sinful, or it causes a lot of damage in your life and other people's lives. But when you run to God, when you run to your father, I talked about it last week, when you run to your father and you consult him and you bring your stuff to him rather than bring the stuff to other things, either it's a website or a pill or harming yourself, whatever that is, it's not as great as people try to say it is. It's not as great as people say it is. And I want you to know that there's a father who loves you. There is a father who knows you by name. There is a father, what's our motto? Know God and know who you are. How do you know who you are? In his word. If you wait to get a word every week from me, your time with the Lord is not that great. I'm gonna be honest with you. Because I struggle with that to the known fact of, I thought it was just every Wednesday and every Sunday that I would receive from God. But it's when I started doing it on my own. And you don't have to do all these crazy studies. You don't have to do all these magical prayers. You don't have to listen to two hours of worship music. You can do that if you want. I do it because I like it. But if you have to start from the beginning, 10 minutes of prayer, 10 minutes of reading the word, In 10 minutes of worship, that is enough for a Christian. It's the simple devotion. If you think that highlighting your whole Bible with a bunch of rainbows and making it look like fruity pebbles, that's not, that's not, that doesn't make you a Christian. The simple devotion is, is that I'm going to talk to God. I might not have that much time, but I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to read his word. I might not read the whole chapter, but I'm going to read some of it that will hit me and encourage me. And then I'm going to listen to maybe just one song. If you can just do that, that's the simple Christian devotion. Because all your life you're taught, go farther, go deeper, go farther, go deeper, go farther, go deeper. But the Holy Spirit's already here. The Holy Spirit is already in you. So why do you feel like you have to reach and reach and reach and reach and reach? That's why we don't go to God, because we feel like we have to reach, reach, reach. But he's right here. He's everywhere. He's right beside you. He is with you at all times. Rachel, you can come up and play keys. My last point, 
submit to God and resist the temptation of the enemy. It comes, it could come, this could come from situations in your life. This could come from people who have treated you wrong. This could come from you feeling like you can't do anything in your life because you feel like you have no purpose. I want you to know tonight that there is a, that if you would stay confident to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, that how his word says that you would live and not die. If you would speak that over yourself, rather than letting other people tell you how to do it or tell, letting situations tell you how to cope with it, go to God yourself. Stop listening to people who do not know. Look, I don't know either sometimes. I don't always have an answer. I'm not a spiritual guru. But what I can be is to lead you back to Jesus, who is the answer. So if you need an answer to this problem, you gotta ask God for help. If you know someone who's struggling, ask them, do you need help? Because the problem is that when we get to, into, the, into the mindset of nobody really understands, no, uh, nobody really deals what I'm going through. It causes you to not be open. It causes you to walk away and it causes pride. But if you go to the right people, if you go to God first, there is freedom when you ask for help. There is freedom when you ask for help, but don't rely on people. Go to God first. Because I'm telling you this, when you go to God first, he's going to send the right people into your life. He's going to give you this different type of feeling that you maybe never felt in a certain way, but not just in a feeling, but also in your mind and in your soul. It's all of that. If you would submit, but not just submit, tell God how you feel. Be like Elijah. God, I want to die. I don't know what else to do anymore. And if you really get honest with God and let your heart and your motives be geared towards his, he will give you enough food to eat and enough water to drink for now until you, until you see the goodness. I don't know why he does it that way. I wish I could answer that, but that's how God works. He works little by little, step by step, a little bit of food, a little bit of water. He's gonna give you enough for now to where you can see the goodness at the end of the tunnel. But you can't let God be the genie. You need to see God through and let him transform your mind. Don't let that be the escape. Don't let the enemy trick you into thinking that that is the way out because it is not. The way out is God. The way out is Christ. The way out is your father because you are a child of God. I realized, and I'm going to read this book soon because I, I think it's a good book. There's a book called, uh, a friend of mine who's a therapist, he gave me this book and, he, and I need to read it soon. It says, I love Jesus, but I want to die. And the book talks about how these types of mental issues and emotional issues we deal with, 
involve with our Christian life. Because like I said, I didn't think this is when we get spiritually ignorant. When we don't know, oh, I just thought they wouldn't be a Christian because they struggle with this and they're suicidal and this. No, 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 no. Elijah was a great prophet and he wanted to die. I don't want to read this book soon because I want to understand more. Because your life is precious to God. Your temple is precious to Him. And if you can learn to believe that, you'll have more joy. You'll have more peace. No matter what the situation looks like. Because guess what? We've all been through situations. But I need you to know that if you would see God through, if you would see God through the land of the living, He would give you His glory through all of that. Resist it. Run to God. And the devil will always flee from the Father. With every head bowed and every eye closed. struggling with suicide or self-harm I don't want to just pray with you if you give me and my team the opportunity to have a deeper conversation about it because you never know who's been through the same stuff that you have been through have a deeper conversation freedom comes when you ask for help I didn't realize that until I really needed help and then it worked. If you know someone who struggles, have a deep conversation with them. Have a deep conversation with them. And be there for them. And comfort them. Father, I pray and believe that you would be close to those who are low. Father, I pray, I pray a favor and hovering over every person in this room who is struggling right now. I declare favor. I declare blessing. I declare joy. I declare that there's a goodness that's going to go over them. Not just from the feeling of it, but for them to know and understand that you are with them, Lord. The situation might not be great, nor does other people make it even better. But Lord, you get it. You understand. You know what's going on. So Father, I pray a spirit, a, a blessing of favor and understanding and comfort over every person in this room or someone that they know that is struggling with suicide and self-harm. Father, reveal to them how expensive they are and how precious they really are in the kingdom of God. 
show them how powerful through the Holy Spirit they can really be to combat these things. And Lord, let them know that you understand. That you get it. That you see them for where they're at. And that you would walk them through the valley. But Lord, I pray that they would ask. Not just expect, but ask. Just ask him. It might be a dumb question. It might be something that might not matter. But ask him anyways. Talk to him anyways. Bring it to him anyways. It might be a big thing. It might be a little thing. But bring it to him anyways. The goal, Lord, is to escape to you. And I pray that over every student, Lord. Maybe it's not just the suicide self-harm. Maybe it's self-esteem. Maybe, maybe it's not feeling like they're enough. Maybe it's feeling like they, they can't make it in life. Maybe it's in the fact that, that they've believed lies for so long. Lord, I pray a spirit of favor over every person in this room. Lord, from, from their relationships to their jobs, Lord, to, the, to their schools that they go to. Lord, I pray a spirit of favor and blessing not just in the external, but Lord, let them have favor on the inside. Let them know that they are favored by you. Let them know that they are blessed by you, even though it's not exterior, because if it's always exterior, then when you don't do it, we get crushed. Our faith collapses when we base it off of a feeling. But Lord, I pray that they would be confident and see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In the land of the living. Not in the death of the skulls that roam the desert, but Lord, in the land of the living. In the land of the living. I thank you, Lord, for this word. Lord, thank you for saying what you needed to say. Lord, that maybe some of these things might not be an answer to some people, but Lord, I pray that it brings clarity to try to bring clarity, to understand, to bring clarity, to actually make it worth it, to do these things, Lord. Help us to resist the enemy in every temptation. Help us to see that we are more than what we think we are in your kingdom, and help us to understand that when we come under you and humble ourselves, that we can be set free from the attack and the temptation of the enemy. It is in Jesus' name I pray and we pray. Amen and amen.